we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, law-keeping avails nothing but faith working through love. How does faith work through love? to find out what godliness is and how to become godly people. And we've started with a look at Galatians chapter 5 because Galatians 5 ends with what must be one of the best descriptions of what we mean when we talk about a godly person. We're looking at the whole chapter because the earlier part of it tells us how to become that person. And we've seen that you have to start by realizing that godliness is not about keeping rules. You have to learn to rejoice in the grace and goodness of God and enjoy the freedom that Christ has given you. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not become entangled again in the yoke of slavery. Next If it's not already the case, then you've got to pray that the Holy Spirit will stir up your heart to love God's law, because that's what the heart of a godly person is like. We, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. But of course, that doesn't mean that you go back to become a slave of the law. No, what you must do instead is to live by faith. We, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith, Paul says. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, law-keeping avails nothing but faith working through love. Faith working through love. How does faith work through love? Before we come to that, we really ought to be sure that we understand what love is. And when we ask that question, the first thought is always to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and that is a good place to start. But as we look at it, I do want you to remember that 1 Corinthians 13 is not a definition of love. It's a description of love in action. It tells us there, love suffers long and is kind, It does not envy, it does not parade itself, it is not puffed up, it does not behave rudely, it does not seek its own, it is not provoked, it thinks no evil, it does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in the truth, it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things and endures all things. If you love someone, that's what it will look like. You will not be envious. You'll not parade yourself. You will not be out to make yourself look good. You will not be puffed up in the way you relate to that person. There will be no arrogance. There will be no being opinionated. There will be none of that I know best attitude. There will be no rudeness in the way you speak to or address him or her. You will not seek your own. 
You will not relate to them in any way such that you are demanding attention or praise or recognition or gifts. You will not be easily provoked. Within that relationship, you will be very tolerant. It will take a lot to provoke you to react with anger if you do at all. Paul tells us, love thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. In other words, you will always think the best of the other person. If they do or say something to you, and there are two ways to take it, one way is to take offense and the other way is to see good in it, you will always err on the side of seeing the good in the other person rather than seeing the worst in them. He tells us love bears all things. That person will be able to do things that annoy you. They will be able to do things that offend you. They will be able to sin against you. And you will bear it gladly. And you will not feel that you have to address it all the time. And you will not feel that you have to get even with them in any way. Because love bears all things. Love believes all things. You trust the people you love. You take them at their word unless you have very good reason not to. Love hopes all things. When within your relationship with that person things look bad, you're not going to give up on that person. You never give up on someone you love. There is always hope there that things will get better. And love endures all things. Love is something that is lasting. It's not something that comes and goes with your feelings. It's not something that, that passes when the relationship seems to turn sour. If you love someone, that is what it will look like. And as I've said, 1 Corinthians 13 is only what love looks like. It's not a definition of love. Because you see, if you did all the things that are listed in 1 Corinthians 13, well, that would be really nice, but that alone would not go far enough. It would still not be love. The best example of love, of course, and the biggest clue to what love is, is seen in God sending the Lord Jesus to save fallen men. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And it's especially seen in the way that Jesus went to the cross and suffered for us. Now, if you put that thought together with 1 Corinthians 13, you'll see that what love is, is total selflessness. Love says, I am here for you. I'm here to serve you. I am here to bless you. And it doesn't matter what it costs me. It doesn't matter how much time it takes, how much effort it takes, how much energy I've got to put into it. My reputation doesn't matter. My comfort and convenience don't matter. In fact, my life itself doesn't matter. None of that matters. You come first. You're the most important one. So love is denying self for others, whatever the cost, desiring and then working for their good. But Paul also wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. It's possible to deny yourself 
for the sake of others and still not have love. You could make those great sacrifices. You could even sacrifice your life for others and still not love them because you could be doing it for the wrong reasons. So we have to add to our definition of what love is. Love is denying self for others, whatever the cost, desiring and then working for their good. And what we have to add is that it comes sincerely, freely and joyfully from the heart. Love is denying self for others, whatever the cost, desiring and then working for their good, sincerely, freely and joyfully from the heart. And when Jesus says to us to love one another, that is what he's talking about. Love is very important to God. Paul says at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, Now abide faith, hope, and love these three, but the greatest of these is love, something that God values very highly. So the next question I want us to think about is this. Why is love so important? Well, further down in Galatians 5, Paul says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. Love fulfills the whole law. Now, when Paul wrote that, it's not just that he's saying, just love people and that'll do you. You know, I mean, if you just have the love right, Forget about the rest of the law. No, that's not what he's saying at all. It's much, much more than that. What he's saying is, if you love people, if you could really love people, then you would find that you are obeying the law of God in every way. You have the same idea in Romans 13, verses 8 to 10. He who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And interestingly, it says in 1 Thessalonians 3 verses 12 to 13, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness. Love fulfills the law. Now, if you remember, the law is not just a a list of rules and regulations that God has drawn up to make things go well in the world. The law comes from God's heart. The law is a reflection of who God is. It describes God. It describes what God likes. It describes what God dislikes. The law is a reflection of God's nature, of who God is. So when you love, you will fulfill the law. What you are doing is putting God on display. By loving others, fulfilling the law, You are glorifying God. That is why love is so important. Or here's another way and a simpler way to look at it. God is love. And if you love, then you are being God-like. Love is very important to God. So now we know what love is. 
We know why it's important to God. Now we come to the question, how does faith work through love? And I want you to think about it like this. What is it that stops you loving people? I mean, you do want to love people, don't you? If you're a Christian at all, you want to love people. You must do. 1 John 4 verse 8, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. When you're born again, God puts something inside you. His Holy Spirit places that new nature within you, that new nature that loves God's law, that longs for righteousness, and that new nature that desires to love others. If you're a Christian at all, you want to love people. It's in your heart. So you say to yourself, well, yes, I I want to love people. I know it's there and it's in my heart. But you know, when I try to do it, there are so many things that seem to get in the way of it. Has that ever been your experience? You set out to love people, and just practically it doesn't seem possible. Busyness. There are people with needs. You want to respond to those needs. You want to help them. But there are so many other things going on in your life. So many people to please, so many things to be finished, so many jobs to be done. Sometimes it's, what would you call it, self-defense. You see, when you love people, you make yourself vulnerable and people take advantage. And so you've got to protect yourself. People can be very demanding, so you've got to keep them at a distance. Stops you loving them. Sometimes you feel the need to vindicate yourself. That's another kind of self-defense. The people you love, they accuse you of things. They say you did this or you did that, and you feel you've got to justify yourself and vindicate yourself, and the more you do that, the more you push them away, and it gets harder to love them. Fear is another thing. Love makes you vulnerable. People can take advantage of that. People can exploit weaknesses. And we can become afraid of that. We can become afraid of people getting to know us too well. So we we put up barriers. We push them back. We keep our distance from them. Shame's another thing that gets in the way. If people knew what I am really like, what would they think of me? If they found out about my secret sins... Or if they found out just about my weaknesses. I wouldn't like that. And one of the ways that we sometimes cope with that is to keep people at a distance. Don't get too close to them. Don't love them. Don't be too friendly. They might find out what you're really like. Or selfishness. Maybe you wouldn't call it selfishness, but that's what it is. We want other people to do things for us. We want the sympathy. We want the comfort. We want the security from the relationship. Or we just covet some things that they have that we don't have. Or we're greedy to have more time for ourselves and more rest for ourselves and more peace and quiet for ourselves or more time to make money to have possessions for ourselves. 
And so we push out love in that way, or sometimes the selfishness just shows it in competitiveness. We want to be the best, or at least we want to be better than some people who aren't the best, and that competitiveness stops us loving. Do you see what I mean? That there are things that get in the way. You want to love people, that's in your heart. The Lord has put it there. But all of these things are working against it and getting in the way. Faith pushes out all of those things. Have you ever thought of that? If you trust the promises of God, there is no need at all for any of those things I listed. God has told you that he is a sovereign God who is in perfect control of your life, working for your good in every circumstance, everything that comes your way, every demand that is made of you, every circumstance that arises, God has it in his hand. It's all in control. So busyness doesn't need to panic you. If there are lots of things to be done, well, you prioritize them, you do the most important things, you do what you can, and whatever the outcome, God has it in control. It doesn't matter if everybody's not pleased. God has it in control. And he knows what you're capable of. You do your best. And that's okay. He's told you he will never leave you. He's told you you will never be put to shame. He's told you he watches over you and protects you. And that means you have nothing to fear. Writer of the Hebrews says, He himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now that applies to our relationships with other people as well. You can afford to be vulnerable with people. You can afford to take the risk of getting close to people. You can afford to love people who might get to know your secrets. You can afford to love people who might take advantage of you. Because God is for you. A God of righteousness, a God of justice, who controls everything. And when people accuse you, you don't need to vindicate yourself, because he's promised, hasn't he? He has promised that at the last you will be declared righteous. He has forgiven you, he has clothed you in his perfect righteousness, and at the last, in the judgment, you will be vindicated then, and justice will be done. If people accuse you, if people say things about you, wrong things, you don't have to stand up for yourself. You don't have to vindicate yourself. God is working for your good. He has told you that he will supply all your needs. That means you don't have to get anxious about it. That means that you can be free to love people, free to, to give of yourself and your time and your resources, because God is the one who supplies. You don't need to covet anything that anybody else has. You don't need to be greedy for more possessions, more money, more time. You don't need to compete for recognition. God will give you the position that he wants you to be in and that he needs you to be in for his glory. Do you see what I'm saying? Faith 
trusting those things that God has promised in his word frees you up to love people. Faith working through love. I want you to think about that more. Think about how if you believed the promises of God, those things that get in the way of you loving other people would melt away. All unloving behaviour, all unloving behaviour can be traced back to lack of belief in the promises of God. Think about it and you'll find that it's true. And living by faith will always show itself in love for others. Faith and love go together. Just one example of that, 1 John 3, verse 23. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. That's a singular commandment, just one commandment, not two. His commandment, that we should believe in his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. The two go together. They're inseparable. So is your faith working through love? Are you thinking, oh, not very well. I'm not the loving person that I, I want to be. Well, if that's your thought, let me tell you that faith is the key here. If you want to love more, it doesn't start with you trying to do more loving things. Whether it's loving your wife more or your husband more or your neighbours more, whoever it is, it doesn't start with you making an effort to do more loving things. That's the way back into slavery. That's just replacing one kind of legalism with another. Instead of keeping one kind of rules, you're now keeping the rule, I've got to love everybody. I've got to be patient and kind and never jealous or envious or boastful or proud or haughty or selfish or rude or all the rest of it. It's one kind of legalism replacing another. If you want to love more, it starts with the promises of God. That's the place to begin. You start with the promises of God then you must believe those promises and you must start to live as if they're true. Living by faith, that's the key to it. Convinced that what God has said will happen, will happen, and then living as if it's so. You want to be more loving? Then the thing to do is to do those things that strengthen faith. The ones we talked about. Pray. God is the source of faith. The faith that we have has been given to us by him. Pray that he will grant you more faith. Faith comes through hearing, hearing by the word of God. That's the second thing you can do to strengthen your faith. Listen to God's word and the teaching of it. Read it. Hear it being taught. So strengthen your faith. Praying, hearing God's word, and fellowship with other Christians. That's another means that God has given to us to strengthen our faith. Whereas brothers and sisters, we can bring encouragement to one another and remind one another of the promises of God and tell one another how God has been fulfilling those promises in our lives. And then the fourth thing that strengthens our faith is exercise, putting it into action. When difficult times come, 
then respond to them with faith. Trust the promises of God and persevere through those difficult times. And God will help you with this, especially if what you want is to be able to love people more. He'll help you with it by putting some really difficult people in your way, just to give you an opportunity to exercise your faith and to say, God is in control of this situation and I shouldn't be annoyed about it. Exercise your faith. That's the way to begin if you want to love people more. Strengthen your faith and then go out to look for people to love. Love is very important to God. So where there is loving to be done, that's where you'll find God at work. Where there are needy people, where there are people who are looking to you needing your help, needing your encouragement, needing your comfort, needing your support, whatever it is where there is loving to be done, that's where you'll find God at work because love is so important to God. Where there is loving to be done then, that's the place to be because that's the place of blessing. Look for needy people, people to whom you can give your time, your energy, your concern, your support, your encouragement, yourself. And then when you're finding it hard to love those people, and when love is hard to sustain, it's back to faith again. Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Well, can you imagine what that is? The riches in glory of God. What are the riches that God has stored up in glory in Christ Jesus? Can you imagine the vastness of the resources available to God? My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Love is important to God. Where there is loving to be done, that's where God is working. Go out, find people to love. And when you're finding it hard to love those people and love is difficult to sustain, back to faith again. The promise of God, my God shall supply all your need. And go forward in faith. Trust him to meet the need and love on. Love is so important to God. It always glorifies him. And when Christians are loving, God is at work. God's power is always flowing in that stream of love. And that's the place to be. Put yourself out for others, relying on God to work. And you'll see him at work. And you'll be thrilled. And you'll be blessed when he does. Do you see the picture that's building up here in Galatians chapter 5? It begins with freedom. I do not have to keep any law. I am gloriously free from the law. I do not have to keep any law. But oh, God has placed something within my heart and I love his law. I long for righteousness with all my heart. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to become a slave to the law again. Oh, no. 
Because instead of becoming a slave to law-keeping again, I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to take those promises of God and I'm going to believe that every one of them will be fulfilled. What God has said will happen, will happen. And I'm going to live as though that is true. And the more I live by faith, the more loving I will become. And the more loving I become, the more that desire for righteousness is satisfied because love fulfills the law. And in it all, God is glorified. And it's all free and joyful, isn't it? This is not slavish obedience to keeping rules. This is just trust and confidence in our God and his constant supply of grace. And faith is the key. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, it is true. We do desire to love others. You've placed it in our hearts. Our hearts go out to those around us who are in need and those who depend upon us and rely on us. Our hearts go out to our families, our loved ones, people we come into contact with day by day. But, oh, Lord, we do find it so hard to be loving because there are all of these things that get in the way. So help us, Father, in the light of your word to have more faith. Hold before us your promises. And help us, Lord, to grasp those promises and to live as if they're true. And living by faith, help us to be more loving people. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.